Flourish Church podcast, a gospel-centered, multi-ethnic church from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, dedicated to helping you flourish in your faith. For more information about our mission and how you can get involved, please visit www.uflourishchurch.org. Good morning. Welcome to You Flourish Church. Uh, my name is Kurt. I uh, serve as one of the pastors at You Flourish Church and just excited that uh, so many of you are out for worship uh, on this morning. Uh, so, some time ago, uh, I remember running into a former classmate and I was surprised at how happy he was to see me uh, because the first thing uh, that came to my mind when I seen him was the fight that we had at, at, at Custer High School. And 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 I remember that you know this was during the time you know his girlfriend was his girlfriend liked me and and her and I was talking on the phone, and he got wind of it and he was really upset and he told me that if I didn't quit talking to his girlfriend that you know there'd be hell to pay, and uh and and, and I and, and I didn't understand exactly what he was referring to because like I'm like I don't have any allegiance to you. Like, we're not even friends. Like, uh, you should be talking to your girlfriend. He's like, all right, I'm telling you, you keep talking to her. And then I, I keep talking to her. I thought she was kind of cute. <laughs> and, and she would be complaining to me about him and, you know, all, all those problems. And, 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 and so as, as it turns out, I come to school one day and, and, and people start coming up to me, Kurt, did you see so-and-so? I'm like, no, nah, but he says he's looking for you and he's going to beat you up today. I'm like, okay. Okay. Then somebody else comes to me. He's like, man, Kurt, did you see something? Like, like, no. It's like, man, well, he's looking for you. And he, go, he said he's going to beat you up today. And, and next thing you know, I, I see down the hall, and you know how kids are. Kids want to see a fight. So all the kids is behind them. He's like, he got the whole school. And I'm like, man, is the school getting ready to jump me or what? Uh, and, and, he, he, and he's come running down the hall, and he's like, didn't I tell you, don't you talk to my girlfriend? And, and every step that he's taking, he's, 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 he's kind of telling me about what, what, what he told me not to do. And he comes running up to me, and uh, when he came up to me, I just, I couldn't box, but I was a pretty good wrestler. So he came, and he got in his fancy boxing stance and, and got to dancing around. I just dipped my shoulder, and I lift him up. And he's over my head. And I look down at the stairs. <laughs> but I wasn't angry. And I told him while he was up there, I'm like, didn't I tell you you should be talking to your girl and not me? <laughs> and, and, I, and I laid him down. I laid him down. I didn't, I didn't slam him. I, I, just, I just laid him down. And, and he walked away. And, he, and, he, and he, I never had, any more pro, never had any more problems out of him, uh, you know, at, at that point. But it's interesting, though, because as I reflect back, the allegiance he sought from me was his girlfriend's burden to carry. And it was not mine. Subsequently, I had to remind him of something that he should have already known. Similarly, as we pick back up in Romans 15, we find Paul reminding the Roman church something that they should have already known. And we're going to pick up and we're going to find three points in this passage that became Paul's burden. And the first is that, that, that Paul's burden uh, to remind Gentiles on the teachings of Jesus and, and Paul's burden to restrict his, his preaching to where Christ was unknown and, and Paul's burden to revitalize the poor 
through Christian means. And we're going to pick up in uh, chapter 15 this morning, picking up in verse 14. But before we go there, maybe we go to the Lord in prayer. Um, God, you are good. We love you. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your love, for your kindness. God, we pray above all that you would speak. And God, we pray that you will anoint our ears to hear everything it is that you speak. And God, that you will anoint our hearts to apply everything it is that you speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, picking up in verse 14, look at what it says. It says, uh, I myself am, rem- am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Verse 18, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his word. In verse 15, I just want to bring to your attention uh, and highlight on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder. Uh, here, after speaking uh, to his audience on, on the examples and, and the hope of Christ Jesus, Paul, he's abundantly clear that, that his burden, his, his ministry burden, that it rested on the Gentiles. In, in verse 14, he speaks confidently to the spiritual growth of the the Roman church saying, he says, I myself am satisfied that that you are full of goodness. He says, you're filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. And so it was one of the things that that he begins to acknowledge that that he's satisfied with the spiritual growth of the church at this point in time. But one of the things that, that, that really interests me is that he uses the term fool to describe the Romans goodness, their knowledge, and the ability to teach one another. And so, and so one, he's, he's beginning to acknowledge the, the spiritual growth that's, that's happening in, 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 the, in the Roman church, and it was important that, that he begins to acknowledge that. And, and even when we look at that in our context today, what does it look like when, when, when we have a body of Christ that, that's, that's full of goodness, that, that's full of knowledge, and full of the ability to teach one another. It's one of the things that I really appreciate about our, 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 our Bible class. I think one of the things that when we, when we started the church, I always said that we were more of a learning community than anything because we had the opportunity to learn from one another. And it was just so rich. I mean, we were on Zoom. We did Zoom church for a year and a half before we actually came into this building. And it was so rich to be uh, among the body of saints and and, and to be able to learn from one another. It it, it was so amazing to be able to be challenged and and, and to walk in the knowledge and the love of one another. And this is what Paul is saying to this church. He's like, because let me just say, uh, there's a number of things that we could be full of. (laughs) 
But isn't it a beautiful thing when Paul says, like, y'all are full of knowledge. He said, you're full of goodness. And it's something to be said when we, as the body of Christ, we've got to recognize what is it that we're full of. It's something to laugh about, but, but, but it also goes back to, we, we talked about church abuse not long ago, a few weeks ago. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just say, when we are, find ourselves full of the wrong things, it's easy to veer off and to begin to start harming people and damaging people. But but, but Paul is saying he's far off. He's not there. He's writing. And he says, like, he's obviously, he's heard some things. He says, like, you guys, you're you're full of the right things. And I think it's something that we've got to be cognizant of at all times. God, am I full of the right things? As a body, are we full of the right things? But he goes a step further. He says, you've got the ability to instruct one another. And think about a, 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 a body of Christ in, in that matter. And so while Paul acknowledges the maturity of the Romans church in Christ Jesus in verse 15, this is what he says. But he says, but on some points, I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder. And, and look at what he says. He says. He says, because of the grace given me by God. He says, like, like, I know that you're full of all the right things. You're full of knowledge. You're, you're full of goodness. You have the ability to teach one another. But he says, I'm going to speak to you boldly on a couple of things by way of reminder. Not that you don't already know, but sometimes we need to be reminded of some things. Like we, we, we understand and we know some of the teachings of Jesus, but sometimes we need to be reminded of it. And this is where Paul is at. He says, I want to remind you of some things. And, and so in other words, so they knew the way, he wrote to them to remind them on the teachings of Jesus. One of the things that you're going to continue to hear from you, Flores Church, over and over and over and over again, all we talk about is Jesus. <laughs> and, and you would think... You would think that's a foregone conclusion. Like that's what we're supposed to talk to. That's what all churches are supposed to talk about. But 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 I think sometimes we we lose our way. Sometimes we lose our way because you know we 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 lean more to our theological underpinnings than we do the teachings of Jesus, and we lean more to our traditions than the teachings of Jesus. We lean more to what everybody else is doing than the teachings of Jesus. We lean more to what's happening in our culture and our society than we do on the teachings of Jesus. And, and, and here's a point that we've got to take a step back and be reminded of what it is that. That Jesus proclaims. Like sometimes we uh, 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 teach and preach about Paul as though that he's serving somebody other than Jesus. Paul was, was, was under God. He, he, he served under the ministry of Jesus. He didn't speak an entirely different gospel. And so, so Paul is like, I want to remind you of the things of Jesus. And, and again, this is an amazing place I think for the body of Christ to be is to be reminded who it is that we serve, who it is that we submit our life to, who it is that we model our Christian life after, 
Because again, we, we can get caught up into our own context. We can get caught up, in our, and, I, and I can assure you, the Western context of Christianity is much different than uh, the, the Eastern context of Christianity. Like, like we, 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 we can miss it from time to time, but it's, but it's just really, really important to be reminded of not only who Jesus is, but who we are in Jesus. And when we begin to recognize that, I just think that we can begin to start making impact in ways that God intended for us to impact the world. And, and, and so, so this is where, where Paul was at. And so uh, 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 we need that reminder on, on these teachings of Jesus. And this is where Paul was at. And the reason Paul emphasizes Jesus so much, we find it in verse 16. Look at what he says. When he says, God gave me grace in verse 16 to be a minister of Christ Jesus. It, this, it, he didn't say to be a minister of anybody else, but he, he understands who it is that he's a minister for. So to be a minister of Christ Jesus, but he also understands the demographic that he's been called to because he says to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles and the priestly service of what the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified, by the Holy Spirit. So, so, so not only does he understand who it is that he's a minister for, it's not for the church, it's not for a theological position, but it's for Christ Jesus. That, 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 changes, that changes the game a little bit. It changes the game a little bit because everybody may not rock with you because everybody may not rock with Christ Jesus. We might have more people that's rocking with the popular theological position or rocking with a tradition who may have an idea of, 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 of what it is that, 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 that should be happening. But one thing that Paul was not confused about, he wasn't confused about of who he was called to be a minister to and who it was that he was a minister for. And this is a beautiful thing. And this is one of the things that we teach our church planters. It's like, you've got to know exactly who it is that you've been called to. You know who it is that you serve. And, and a lot of times, the first thing that we hear from a church planter, and we hear about their, their thought process of what kind of church it is that they, that they want to uh, uh, start. And, and the very first thing that ends up happening is uh, they, they, they creating the church for church people. Like, so, so you've been, because they, you, when I hear about what kind of services they're going to have and this and that, and I'm like, like uh, so you're going to create a church for church people. So you're going to create a church to take people from other churches. I'm like, think about that. We don't need more churches to minister to church people. We got enough of them. And, 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 and so Paul, he understood Paul in this point in time, uh, the, the, the Jews was the popular sect. Everybody was preaching the gospel to the Jewish population. But Paul is saying, wait a minute, like, I understand that I've been called to a different group of people. Like, I am a Jew, but I'm committing myself to the group of people that God has called me to. You may not like it. You may frown upon it. You may think this. You may think that. But, but Paul is saying, this 
It's who I've been called to. And this is who I'm doing it for. And so as a minister of Christ Jesus, Paul is called to the Gentiles to ensure they live a life sanctified by the Holy Spirit because this is what's happening. The Roman church is made up of Gentiles as well as Jews. The Jews expected the Gentiles to live a a Jewish life and follow the Jewish rules and traditions Uh, even though they were now in Christianity. Their context still bled into their Christianity. You know, kind of like today. Our Western context, it bleeds into Christianity. And so even though the Jews now had Jesus as their Savior, they still held to their traditions. And anybody that came into the Christian tradition, they believed that they still, for one, should be circumcised. You know, Paul had some conversations about that on all all of the Jewish rules. And so, but Paul is, is, is writing to both Jews and Christians, and he wants them to understand that I've been called so the Gentiles might be holy and acceptable to God. Because you may look at them and you might be frowned up like, oh, they do that? What kind of church is that? They let them do this and that, you, you, you know, and it can go on and on regardless of what the situation is. Some churches allow this and some churches allow that, but, but it's nothing new. This is what was going on then. But Paul is saying, like, I've been called by Jesus. I'm a minister of Christ Jesus, and, 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 and this is who I do it for, but, but this is who I am a minister to. Like this, this, this group of people, and he's like, in order for them to be holy and acceptable to God, just like you consider yourselves to be holy and acceptable to God. And unfortunately, you know, sometime in the church we'll find, you know, every, we, we, it seemed like, uh, uh, like everybody got it wrong except us. But Paul is making it very, very clear. Like, I am a minister to ensure that, that they're sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And so though Paul preached the gospel of salvation, he also preached how they should live as a result of salvation. And so sometimes we focus so much attention on the gospel because we want people to be saved. We do want people to be saved. But after you get saved, what is your impact? Do you just wait for your train to come to take you to heaven? Or do you impact the spaces and places that you occupy? Like, I want you to know this goes beyond just, like, uh, going to the mall and passing out tracks and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, th- those kind of things. I-, I-, I want you to understand that that this first begins in your own household. Because sometimes we overlook our household and we want to go, uh, let's go do some evangelism. Well, like, evangelize in your house. Like, why, why save the world and, 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 and your children be lost? Why serve the world and your own spouse is lost? Like, like let's begin to evangelize in, 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 our, in our own homes. And, and, and so, so, when, so Paul is, is on, he's like, man, we're going to preach the gospel of salvation. I want you to get there. I want you to get there. But as a result of your salvation, you impact somebody. You impact your family. You impact your friends. You impact your neighbors. You impact your co-workers. Because there should be something down on the inside of you that's living out. 
And what's down on the inside of you, if it ain't living out, it means that we're quenching the spirit. And so Paul, it was important that he speaks on these Gentiles. He says, I'm not, not going to just speak to them regarding salvation, but I'm going to speak to them how they should live as a result of their salvation. This is what he means when he says that, that, that it will be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Like it, it's something to be said to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Something that dwells on the inside of us that comes to life. Not when we're happy. That comes to life when somebody cusses you out. That comes to life when you get bad customer service. And I, and I, Lord knows, I've had some terrible customer service. And then they end the conversation, is there anything I can help you out with? I'm like, yes, help me. <laughs> so, so in verse 17, uh, he keeps the focus uh, on Jesus saying, in Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Uh, and notice, he did not say he was proud of his work outside of Jesus, but he said, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So it's something to be said about when we operate in Christ Jesus and not outside of Christ Jesus. In, in verse 8, 18, in fact, he limits his conversation to only what Christ has done through him. Look at what he says in verse 18. He says, well, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Like, there's some power there, but he says, not just what they say, not just what they preach, but he says, indeed, what they do. These first few verses is, is, is just a constant reminder of how much Paul's ministry centered on Jesus and his teachings. Uh, he, he speaks on the power of Christ through him bringing the Gentiles, again, to obedience by word and deed. In other words, Paul, he proclaims that the Gentiles were not just speaking the word, but they, but they lived it. They lived it. Ladies and gentlemen, and this is the responsibility of us all, is that, is that we live it out. That we live it out. Can our children speak? To what it is that we say that we live? Can our spouse speak to what it is that we say that we live? And when you begin to think about it, you know, because we can get really comfortable at home. Like, because <laughs> at home we can, we can be, you know, a lot of people say, well, I, I could be what I want to be at home. I could be who I want to be at home. But there's still some people that's watching and looking. And so, 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 so Paul, he says, he says in word and deed, in other words, Paul proclaims that the Gentiles, they were not just speaking the word, but again, they were living it. In verse 19, he reminds them that his teachings of Jesus were not without power. Look at what he says in verse 19. He says, by the power of signs and wonders. So some amazing things was, was transpiring, not because Paul had the power, but he had Jesus, and Jesus had the power. And he says, by the power of the Spirit of God, he says, so that from Jerusalem and all the way to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, that's where I hope that we are able to get. That's 
That's the target. What does it look like that we fulfill the ministry of Christ? What does it look like for each and every one of us personally? What does it look like for the body of Christ to fulfill the ministry of Christ? The second point Paul makes is Paul, he has a burden to restrict his preaching to where Christ was unknown. Uh, Look at what he says picking up in verse 20. He says, and thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. And he and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. If you're following along in verse 20, I just want to bring to your attention, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. Uh, Again, this speaks to this whole concept and this idea. Paul knows exactly who it is of who he's been called to and how important that is, and, and it's, 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 it's simply really tied to uh, uh, the Great Commission. Paul, he speaks directly to the burden that he has for a specific target of people. He, he, he's not just throwing a handful of spaghetti on the wall and seeing what, what's going to stick, but he understands exactly who it is that he's been called to. In, in verse 20, he firmly states his ambition was to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. And let me just say, that looks different than preaching to a whole bunch of Christians. The church service looks different. Preaching to those who have not heard Christ versus those who have. And, 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 and so there is a specific target that, that Paul is, that, that he's committed to and he understands and he knows it. And why is this important? I, I think it's absolutely important because we got 76% of the people in the city of Milwaukee who don't attend anybody's church. 76%. But yet when you go to our churches, you'll find we're going over and over and over again. Everybody's going after the 24%. Like, I, 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 take it, I take personal blame every time I turn on the news and I see our city in disarray with the number of churches that we have in our city. If, if, if we can just really begin to just sit down and begin to think, what is it that we've been called to? Who is it that we've been called to and who it is that we serve? And how can we impact our communities in ways that it has not been impacted? And I'm not saying that, you know, there's a need for Christian churches to disciple the people and to grow and to be a part of community. That's necessary. Let me say that that's necessary. But let me also say what's necessary, that as we come together as a body and as we grow together, that we begin to impact the spaces and the places that we occupy. And and, and so Paul, his ministry was like, and, and it's funny because everywhere Paul went, he would go to the synagogue and he would preach to his people. He would get turned away, but he would always go and at least acknowledge his own people. But he understood that his calling was for a specific people. Everybody ain't going to hear you. 
When you, when you call for a unique calling, everybody ain't going to go with you. You're going to lose some people along the way. It's going to hurt. You might cry. But when God has called you to a unique calling, I, I, I tell our church planners all the time, like you remain focused on that no matter what, no matter what's going on, no matter how many more people you could have, because, because people will. People, will. people will take you. They'll take you there. If you do this, you might have me on your team. But when God has called you to a unique calling, Paul was laser focused on what the call was. He never veered. He never veered. And so this is the thing. When God has called you to something that, that, that we, we commit ourselves to that very thing, and he goes on to say that he was not trying to build on someone else's foundation. He said, unless I build on somebody else's foundation, I'm going to go preach where Christ has not been known. I'm, I'm going I'm to try to be a light to a group of people who, who, who don't know Jesus, who have not experienced Jesus. And one of the things that I like to say is like we always talk about the unchurched, but I, I like to say there's a difference between the unchurched and the unreached. Because I was churched, but I was unreached. I grew up in the church. So I, you, you, you can't say that I'm unchurched. I was, I was churched. But I miss Jesus. Like, like I, I, I wish I had been introduced to an unfiltered Jesus. Don't, don't give me Jesus with your theological presuppositions. Don't give me Jesus with your, with, with your theological restrictions. Give me the unfiltered Jesus. And this is what Paul wanted to bring to a group of people who the Jews said could not have salvation unless they were circumcised, unless they obeyed by the rules. But Paul is saying, like, Jesus died for them the same way that he died for you. And, and Paul wanted to make sure that these people knew it because for so long they were told that you can't be a part. And it's funny because all of us in here, unless we got any Jewish people in here, all of us is Gentiles. So we've got to be super thankful for Paul that he was, that, that, that he was focused and that he was geared on reaching the people that did not realize that they could have salvation as, as well. And, and, in fact, Paul saw his unique calling as a fulfillment of Scripture as he quotes the Old Testament in verse 21. And he, he goes on to say, he said, as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. And so the Scripture not only resonated with him, but it becomes his burden to be the fulfillment of the word. What would it look like in your life if your burden is to become the fulfillment of the word. Now talk about the word living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. What if you were the living exemplification of that written word? And, and that was his burden. That was his burden. And it wasn't, there's always this temptation to do what's popular, but Paul's burden wasn't to be popular. It was to serve his target. In fact, he says his obedience to the word was what hindered him from coming to Rome. As he says in verse 22, he says, this is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you because I've been handling the business of preaching where the gospel has not been heard. I I've been busy 
I've been busy making sure that Christ was known where he was not known. And we make this assumption that everyone has heard of Jesus. Well, everyone has heard of Jesus, but everyone has not heard who Jesus is. Everyone has not heard how easy it is to have Jesus. Everyone has not heard that even though you ain't good, that even though you ain't perfect, that Jesus still wants you. Like everyone hasn't heard that, that Jesus, he loves you in spite of your flaws, in spite of your failures, in spite of you can't never seem to get it right, that he loves you anyway. Everyone has not heard that. And so Paul, he wanted to make sure that everyone heard it. So he's like, I ain't got to y'all yet. And he didn't realize that when, by the time he got there, he was going to be getting there in chains. But he made it very, very important. And he, he reveals that his work had been fulfilled. In verse 24, he says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. And the last point we're going to cover is Paul's burden to revitalize the poor through Christian means. And we ain't going to get through all of this, but, but, but I, I want to share a little bit about what, what Paul was covering in here. In verse 25, look at what he says. He says, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints in Jer at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessing, they ought also to be able to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and delivered to them what was been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. And I know that when I have come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be deliver, delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And, and, and let me just say this, that like, like Paul, uh, uh, he, he, he speaks to another burden that he carried and this was uh, to ensure that the needs of the poor Christians was being met by other Christians. He wasn't looking to the government. And, and, and he goes on, in fact, while, while he had preached the gospel in the specific regions, he also collected funds for the poor Christians in other regions. And, and, and in fact, Paul, he goes so far, he's like, I said, they, they were pleased to do it, but he says not only were they pleased to do it, he's like, they owe it to him. He's like, they should have done it. Uh, so, so he's really, really, really bold. And this tells us that the gospel Paul preached, it stretched beyond salvation, but it drove those who heard it into action. That's the challenge I want to leave with you here today. That we don't just talk about the gospel, we don't just hear the gospel, we don't just preach the gospel, but the gospel that we hear, that it actually drives us into action. How will we be better today? How will we be better tomorrow? How do we allow the gospel that impacted us so, that, that provided salvation to us when we did not deserve it, that provided love, guidance, and direction to us when we did not deserve it? How will we allow that, 
to be lived out so others may come to know Jesus in the same way that you know Jesus. And if you're here today and you may not have taken that step to come to know Jesus, I want you to know Romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess with your heart that Jesus is Lord and you believe, if you confess with your mouth, I'm sorry, and you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, he said you shall be saved. That's the first step. And it could be yours today. It could, it could absolutely be yours today. The, the prayer team is going to be here in just a moment, and you'll have the opportunity to pray with them and to be able to receive that. But for those of you who already know Jesus, will you allow your life to be used so others might come to know Jesus? Let us pray. God, you are good. We love you. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your love, for your kindness. God, there's none above you in all the earth. God, I pray that you would help us to live out the ways in which you have commanded for our lives, God. Father, we pray right now, God, that we would be used for your purposes, God, that, that we would be ministers of, of Christ Jesus in the earth, God, uh, to make lasting impact and so the world may come to know you. God, we give you honor. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.